thrifty and curious travelers, welcome to the Trouncing Around podcast. Today, we will discuss travel to what's known as the North Korea of Africa. Eritrea has been closed to tourists for a long time, and it's starting to slowly open up its borders, um, and there is a lot to discover there. So today I'm hoping to paint a picture for you about what my time was like there in the capital city of Asmara. I'm your host, Katie. I've owned the travel blog Trouncing Around for nine years. I've backpacked and photographed my way through 71 countries. I'm an adventure junkie and have a need to experience the new, or at least the new to me. I have lots of stories to tell and tips to give. So let's give this a go. open to constructive feedback about how this podcast can be most helpful to you. Feel free to send me a message on my website, Trouncing Around, about how this podcast can be better for you. Life is too short to spend your valuable time meaninglessly. So if you don't find this podcast to be helpful, go out there and find one that enriches your life. There's tons of podcasts out there, and I'm sure you'll like at least a few of them. If you like the podcast, give us a fair rating wherever you stream or download because it helps other people find this work. Since our last reviews, I've been working on audio quality and I'm excited to say that there is a new mic coming in the mail from Amazon. So that should help with some of the echo and feedback. Let me know if this episode has improved and I hope you really like our brand new jingle at the beginning. And thanks for your patience. Each episode, I will start with a how to save to travel tip. Today's tip, not having a car note helps me afford several trips a year. If this seems like it's not doable for you, I just want to encourage you that it's it's not, you know, not doable. You can do it. Try to quickly pay off your car loans or drive an older model vehicle to save money. Take it or leave it. It's just my advice on what you can do to save to afford to travel. Today, I'm taking you to one of the countries with the strictest visa requirements in the world. Frequently, when I'm talking to other backpackers, Eritrea is the country that they're like, whoa, you got into Eritrea? They rejected my application. I speculate that's because I don't have professional ties to the travel industry. At the end of the day, I'm always able to write teacher on my paperwork. If I start at the beginning, I had to get permission to visit from the consulate in D.C., and I mention this only because the experience was unlike others I've had, just because of the fact that the consulate was small. There was one person with a voicemail, which was the same person I played phone tag with back and forth. She was also the same person who over interviewed me over the phone, and emphasis on like she was the one person who physically signed my visa sticker for my passport. Eritrea has some interesting nicknames, which if you know anything about it, you've probably found that the information online is pretty sparse. You may have also read about it being called the North Korea of Africa, which that's not me saying that. I'm still looking forward to a respectful and great future visit to you, North Korea. I think what the title, the North Korea of Africa, says about Eritrea, it's just that it means it's been a closed society. And you really have to do your homework and your studying to know how to make the logistics work. 
And even if you do that, they could still shut it down for you. Again, I'm not comparing the two countries. I'm just repeating what's out there in internet land. Eritrea is also referred to as hermit land. So because of all these titles and the fact that it's starting to open up makes this a really special time. A few nuts and bolts before we dig deep here. You really need a prearranged plan for how to get into the city because the airport is a long way out. And I found the taxi rates to be a bit unfair. At my time of visiting, there were no ride shares. A bus might be an okay option if you can research it ahead of time, but I wouldn't count on it. Also, very important, no internet in Eritrea. If your hotel says there's internet, it won't work well. It's very limited and very slow, as in not functional. Also important to note that internet is illegal for Eritreans to have in their homes. My country's travel.state.gov had some interesting things to say about visiting Eritrea, which was and still is a little shocking. I usually take state warnings with a grain of salt, which is probably stupid on my part, but when you've been to a lot of places, you get desensitized to security situations. The U.S. Department of State travel website reads, verbatim, I quote, Eritrean law enforcement officials routinely block access to foreign nationals in detention. The U.S. Embassy, therefore, may not receive notification or be allowed to access you if you are detained or arrested, which I assume they were referencing entering and exiting the country. So when I entered Eritrea, I was really concerned because of running my blog. And also I had a huge foot long camera lens that I've been using to photograph African wildlife earlier in the trip. I didn't want to be mistaken or detained for being a journalist. Journalists aren't allowed to enter Eritrea at all. And interestingly enough, even though I mean no harm about sharing about my trip, I have to be very careful about the tone I use in public. But I also want to toe the line because I would like to share factual information, you know, just so you could be informed about your trip when you go. This is a good spot to include that my spouse and I both recognize international states' rights to rule sovereignly. When we make any future visits to any nation, we wish nothing but to observe, inquire about culture, move about peacefully. With that being said, even though I had a wonderful and safe time in Eritrea, I had no problems at all. I probably will never be able to revisit because I'm publishing information about my visit. So for me, this was a one and done type of trip which is a shame because there are beautiful beach towns that I didn't get to check out, but you definitely should. Speaking about moving around, it should be noted something I wasn't prepared for when I visited was that in Eritrea, the Ministry of Tourists and Information run all tourism there and permits are required for activities. So during my visit, I stayed in the capital city of Asmara, but if I had left the city, that would require a permit and that's something I wasn't necessarily expecting. These permits can be done by visiting various offices in Asmara, but they should be done in advance and it really would be best if you worked with a tour company, which I don't always say, but in this case, yes, I recommend it. You know, the State Department holds a pretty tight grip on tour guides, so any of them that you pick will probably be pretty comparable or standard and they will probably not go off script much. They'll sort of have this 
prearranged set of lines that they'll respond to you with and they won't go off script or, you know, say anything that could offend their government. When we were picked up by our guide, um, she was a young woman in her mid-20s and she shared that she was part of the military, which didn't surprise me because Eritrea has compulsory military service, meaning that all people there have to participate in the military. Um, and they've been criticized in the international news for making people serve longer terms in the military and for it to be very difficult for them to exit their service after completion. It was refreshing to see a young person so patriotic for their country, even though she avoided any sort of topics that the government might deem inappropriate. She was, however, inquisitive about the culture in my country and how it differed from hers. She wanted to know about, you know, our education and beliefs, and she shared about her education and her religion. So anyways, you do need some permits arranged by your tour company for some standard activities. And one of the most popular activities is visiting the tank graveyard. It was pretty interesting. It's basically an old junkyard full of overgrown flowers and thistles that's taking back these old vehicles like military tanks and public buses and vintage cars. You can climb all over and inside of these. And my minder made a point of mentioning the military strength when we were climbing through the tanks. And I don't remember exactly how she phrased it, but it was something to the effect of, see how strong our military is. These are our old vehicles. Imagine what our new ones look like. We'll never be taken over or colonized again. Of course, we also saw the Asmara Central Market, the Medibar Market, and that's spelled M-E-D-E-B-A-R. Uh, I like to spell things out so that you can look them up and research them if you're interested. But at the Medibar Market, that was something that Eritreans were particularly proud of because everything is from recycled materials here. Lots of scrap metal and things of that nature, which speaks on their resourcefulness as a society. But it also begged the question, just how available are goods if you have to continuously recycle your scraps? We were taken up to the National Museum, which is, it was a pretty good museum, but the most interesting part was seeing the people light up when they spoke about each piece. The way they spoke about their national history, you could tell that they had very limited exposure to the outside world. The museum was very small with only a couple pieces. You know, I'm not knocking it. It was interesting, definitely worth visiting. There were some old fossils, some paintings, pottery, things like that. But the people's reaction was what was absolutely fascinating because they were more excited about these tiny exhibits than, say, world-class museums. Or, you know, when I compare what I saw at this museum with other museums in East Africa, Ethiopia, for example, you know, it's definitely not the most well done museum, but it was just really interesting how excited they were over just a couple of artifacts. Something we didn't need a permit for, but an aspect that I thought was especially interesting was the Italian architecture, which Eritrea is well known for. Italian businesses took over the region in the late 1800s, and it was called Italian East Africa until repercussions after World War II. The Art Deco in Asmara is actually a World Heritage Site, 
and Mussolini made many of the buildings when he invaded Ethiopia in 1935. My favorite building was the Asmara Theater. The Church of Our Lady of the Rosary is also worth mentioning. It's in the middle of town. I wasn't as intrigued, but others really seemed to like the Fiat Tagliero Garage. That's Fiat, F-I-A-T space T-A-G-L-I-E-R-O garage, which is a vintage petrol station. And they say it looks like an airplane. To me, it just looked like an old drive-in diner that you would see in like the American Southwest. But these buildings, especially the colonial ones, are absolutely beautiful. And when you're walking around, it feels like a more exciting and more exotic, less familiar version of Europe, which brings in some really interesting questions about colonization. Because that feel for what we might be for what we might consider to be quintessential Italy is now part of air train culture because of their colonization. For example, they really love coffee. They have a lot of cafes. They have a lot of pizza and pasta. But when you're looking at these basic public places, it's important to note that most locals are not able to afford outings like dinner. And when I say they're not able to afford it, I mean, they're not able to afford it by a long shot. Like, it's probably not even something that they're going to do on a occasion just because, you know, they're not able to afford it. And for a country with so such a small amount of tourism, I really didn't think that that was okay. So this, this might be the part gets me into a little bit of trouble, but it, it's true, so I'll go with it, but poverty in Eritrea was a topic that the government-sponsored minders wouldn't discuss with us, especially, um, you know, in rural and desert locations, people live with food scarcity being somewhat normal, but this is something we don't really have access to the knowledge about because all these areas where, you know, the country is having problems uh, they require permits and journalism isn't allowed. So with the whole permit thing, let's face it, you probably won't get one. And another taboo topic that our minders wouldn't discuss was the increasing refugee situation, which instead of like most countries where you're talking about refugees coming in, this is an exodus situation where young people are desperately trying to get out. So human rights in the country are an interesting conversation because Eritreans are unable to obtain passports. And rewards like passports are rumored to be dangled for bureaucratic international positions. For example, to explain further, young professionals, for example, might be promised a government job abroad, which is their only way out of the country, but they would have to prove themselves by showing a lifetime of trustworthiness, and they would probably never get the job at all. But all of this is speculation because there's no journalism, and it's illegal for them to leave. Something that we were able to discuss freely was religion. We visited the Orthodox Cathedral, which I highly recommend digging into. I found similarities to the Orthodox religion that I observed in Ethiopia. Speaking of which, it should be noted that the two nationalities have some commonalities in their religion, cuisine, and heritage. Older people, from what I observe, sometimes can receive permits from the government to travel between the two countries for religious pilgrimage. 
I saw a lot of Eritreans in Ethiopia, and they were all old and all doing religious pilgrimage. On both the flight in and out, we never observed an Eritrean who appeared to be under 60. And if you're wondering what the cover art is for this podcast, it's actually some women who appear to be wailing at the wall of an Orthodox church, which was super interesting. And they wear, you know, elaborate sort of thin scarves, uh, usually white colored over their um, hair, which uh, is really beautiful. So speaking of flights, when I'm talking about people flying back and forth for religious pilgrimage, some of the times when I felt furthest from home were during the flights entering and leaving Eritrea because travel isn't widely allowed And also because it's so expensive, the flights were occupied by foreigners or older people who you could tell it was their first time flying, which good for them. I was happy they were getting to travel between Ethiopia and Eritrea. Some of these people were dressed in village clothing and they crawled over me, literally like full straddle, booty in the face. But it was fun communicating with them about how to fasten their seatbelts and explain that, you know, unlike a bus, your bags, they can't all sit in the floor in the middle of the aisle. They have to go in the overhead bin or under the seat. And man, you know, I almost felt like a flight attendant. Lots of pantomiming and good humor. People all around me frantically praying the rosary before takeoff. The flight itself was a cultural experience that I enjoyed because it was really out of my norm. We also visited the Central Mosque, where Eritreans will tell you that first and foremost, they are Eritrean, then they are Muslim or Christian. The split is 50-50 between the two. And this was sort of my biggest takeaway, which really challenged my Western thought and my worldview. The surrounding countries I visited in that region were not as stable. They weren't as orderly or clean. I mean, they were still full of adventure and had splendid things about them. And I, I never expect to be saying this, but I began to began to ponder the pros and cons of different political strategies for control because the surrounding countries are currently democracies. And because they're democracies, there's more war, especially over religion and politics. I never expected for someone to snatch my phone or bag like I did in Addis Ababa. You know, there didn't appear to be a crime problem in Eritrea. And no one yelled violent religious hostilities at me like they did in Hargeisa, you know, so there wasn't this huge religious problem or religious war. And Asmara, I sat on a patio slamming pizza slices like my ties, pondering the ability of large groups and people to rule themselves. And while I was having all of these thoughts, I dare not speak any of them aloud. I was especially freaked out at the end of the trip when my minder took us to see her boss. And I'm thinking like, oh no, what did I do? You know, did I say something? Did I ask too many questions? But um, her boss, you know, worked for the Ministry of Tourism and the tour company. And he was very nice, almost schmoozy, middle-aged. And you could tell he was ex-military, but there was just an air about him that oozed a sense of threat, despite his, you know, facade of niceties. I knew if I said the wrong thing to him that he had the power to get me into some serious trouble. And we smiled and talked and his assistant served us tea while he gave us what seemed like an exit interview. We gushed about what a wonderful time we had and what a great job our guy did, which were both true. 
And I assume that we passed the exit interview because he sent us home with a gift and I wasn't sure if it was an ashtray or a candy jar, but it did have some porcupine quills on it. Overall, I had an excellent time in Asmara. If you're into the strange side of travel, you can do it carefully. And I would highly recommend it to other country collectors. If you're not a country collector, I hope you enjoyed my strange tale about what it felt like to be inside of such a closed country. Of the four countries we'd been to in the Horn of Africa, the country with seemingly the least amount of freedom felt the most peaceful and welcoming. Perhaps the people were excited to see an outsider, as Eritrea has less visitors than all of its neighbors. Perhaps they were afraid to look at you wrong because of the potential consequences. I can't answer those questions. But the one thing I do know is it was a nice reprieve not having to constantly have one eye over my shoulder looking out for threats on the street. But it was a little strange having to train the other eye to watch out for the government. Eritrea is ruled by a strict dictatorship who has a firm grip on the country. And that's at the expense of some civil liberties. But at surface level, things seem to be operating okay, which begs the question, what is freedom? Is it the ability to make choices in the daily lives of the common folk or the freedom to not be ruled by foreign powers? The freedom to say, you know, we're a dictatorship here. And we support dictatorship. We love Eritrea and we won't be colonized again. But for now, we won't know because again, journalism and those types of free thinking questions are not allowed. But as one of the world's last closed societies opens up, the outcomes of the future, the future change or continuation of the current situation will be interesting. I wish Eritreans all the best. Thank you for leaving me with some new questions to ponder.